0: Hey, welcome to Perspectives. This is a podcast we've been doing at Orchard Hill that allows a few of our staff and people who are part of the church to share some time together, talking about things from hopefully a biblical perspective. Sometimes we'll have multiple perspectives on what the Bible says. We won't always agree
1: on everything.
0: And that is actually part of having healthy, good dialogue. So that's part of the goal of this podcast. And today we're going to talk about an issue that is not current, but somebody had written in and asked us to cover the issue. And so I'll introduce that in just a moment. But let me first just welcome Josiah and Dan.
1: Good to be here. Kurt, thanks. Good to be on.
0: Josiah is uh, leading our Strip District campus. Dan has been leading the worship ministry uh, here at Orchard Hill over all our campuses for several years. And uh, so as the weather is turning and we're moving into spring, what do you guys find yourself uh, most looking forward to uh, kind of as we turn into a new season and in terms of what you hope to, to do or experience this spring?
2: Well, that's an easy one. I, I'd say the sun, I don't know what it is, but that whole like eight weeks of no sunshine, that really gets to me. I heard uh, Mark Lunsford, who's uh, lived in Florida and Texas for a long time, he went down to Florida recently and he said he's banking his son. So he's like putting it away somewhere from uh florida to keep during those uh you know tough six weeks or so but i will say this my uh, my sister just moved to uh portland oregon which is actually a cloudier city or city than uh pittsburgh so oh,
1: you know, wow. in some ways
2: we got it easy yeah.
1: I love it. Mine deals with being outdoors too. You know, my wife and I, we love to spend time outside, whether exercising or with our dog. And I swear these days my wife's shoulders are always, you know, above her ears when we're walking because she's just <laughs> bracing herself for the cold. And so, you know, as the days get longer and the temperature gets a little bit warmer, we love to be outside. And so I'm just uh eager for that to continue to progress.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things for me that um, I feel more and more. It seems like the longer I live, is when the days start to get longer. Which obviously they're starting, you know, before now. But as they continue to get longer, that just feels really good to have yes. more daylight. Just that whole sun going down at five o'clock routine in the middle of winter, and even six or you know six thirty. And so once you hit daylight savings, and you're getting the
2: daylight into the late evening that's just to me it feels like a whole new lease on life mm. and so it's tough for me you know i don't have a window in my uh, office so oftentimes i'll come into work and it'll be sometimes dark uh and Work all day, not see the sun, and open up the door to go home, and it's dark. <laughs> yeah, and that's rough. Yeah, well, hey, at least you don't see the clouds. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, man, that's true. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, people are already asking me, is Orchard Hill going to do the Saturday night service outdoors again in 2021? Oh, that question. was a big hit. So,
0: yes. yeah, that's something we actually were thinking through and considering. Um, you know, there's some challenges to that, but um, but certainly so many people had fun with the coming and tailgating. Mm-hmm. And doing the service, that it's certainly something we're we're looking mm-hmm. at as as great. an option. So, so good. Well, here's here's what somebody wrote in to ask. They they asked if we would address a very specific event that took place a year plus ago now, I believe, um, and that was at Bethel Church in Redding, California. There was the death of a little girl named Olive, and the church uh, put out a statement and called for the church to pray for and seek the resurrection of this little girl. Um, and so for a season, they uh, were praying for, believing for, proclaiming that she would be raised from the dead and and then uh, as it progressed, as far as we know, there has not been a resurrection. Um, uh, they have not claimed there's been a resurrection, so there's nobody claiming anything different. And so the question was really uh, around the idea of what do you make of that from a from a theological standpoint? How do you understand it? How do we understand that from a more human ministry standpoint? Like, like, how should we think about it? So let me first ask this. Dan, I know that you watched an actual statement from Bill Johnson, who's the lead pastor there.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Would you just take a moment and do your best to fairly characterize his position on this, just so that we aren't just simply holding it out, but make sure that we've actually embraced his position as well as we can?
2: Yeah, and even before I do that, you know, I'd I'd just like to, as Christians and as Orchard Hill Church, just say, you know, when a situation like this um, happens, you know, obviously, uh, theology is important, and it matters deeply, and it matters for people's, you know, time and destiny. Uh, so we care very deeply about that. But also, just as humans, our hearts go out to that family. You know, if that was my family, it would be a heart-shattering event. You know, losing one of my kids. I can't imagine what they went through. I can't imagine the pain and suffering. And uh, you know, I, I really do pray that uh, the Lord would really bring them peace and comfort in the midst of a very, very difficult thing. Even a year later, I'm sure uh, that's a scar that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. So I have compassion for that family. Uh, And, you know, in in a way I have admiration for a church that gathered around uh, people, uh, whether it was, uh, you know, rightly divided word of God or not, people, their hearts were with that family and they supported that family in, uh, in a good way. And in a way, that is a picture of what the church needs to do and what the church should be. But on the other side, we do have to be cautious with uh, theology. So I, I, I watched this statement by uh, Bill Johnson. Uh, and, you know, Bill Johnson, he is a winsome guy. I don't know if you've watched much of his stuff. I've not. I've I've only watched a couple of his messages. Um, and, you know, just to be frank, I've, I've watched him from the other side of people critiquing him more than I've watched him to actually watch him. Uh, so, you know, I come from maybe what some people would characterize as an unfair position in some ways. But when I watched him, you know, he's a very likable guy. And he says things um, that it's hard to see through to the second layer of what some of the core theology is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you watch it and you say like, yeah, I, I I agree with that. You know, Jesus did come to to heal. Jesus did raise the dead. Uh, Jesus was the resurrection in, in the life. These were all things that he said, you know, so you agree with a lot of the things, and in this little five-minute statement, I think many people, if they watched it, that say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with what this guy says, and I can I can embrace it." Um, where some of the challenges are, though, if you know a little bit more of some of their theology, it gets a little bit dicier because there's some stuff that's behind the stuff that he says that you have to start to question. So that's where, uh, you know, this discussion I think is really uh, important. Right.
0: So, so just to to back up for a moment, the the overall position from them, if if we can try to characterize that as fairly as we can, mm-hmm. was Jesus still heals. Um, Jesus rose uh, from the dead personally. In the Bible, we had people who were raised from the dead. Um, Mark 16 talks about all of the things that, that God uh, does, uh, including raising people from the dead. I think that was the verse that he referenced very yes. pointedly. Mm and therefore God is still in the business of doing all of those things, including raising people from the dead. Therefore, we shouldn't limit God's power and our request to only things where people are living, but we have the ability to ask and to even probably proclaim, declare that -hmm. God can and should do this, Um, and, and therefore let's all get around and pray for and believe that this girl will be resurrected. Would that be fair? I think you they would it? even
1: go as far as to say that God is not only able to heal, but it is always God's will to heal. And Jesus, they would say, when you look at the scriptures, uh, this is word of faith movement teaching. And Bethel, I think it's a fair characterization to say they would be part of that movement of charismatic Christianity They would say that Jesus, he never turned anyone away who was looking for healing. And he gave the 12 disciples the authority to carry on his earthly ministry. And some of that was raising the dead to life. And so it is an obligation of followers of Jesus to carry on that ministry of resurrecting, just as Jesus did with his friend Lazarus or uh, the sick girl. And, uh, you know, there are some things about that teaching that would certainly be very appealing if you're in the situation of the family of this girl Man, what a, an absolutely traumatic thing to experience. Uh, you just can't imagine the pain they must have been going through. And this, uh, this family that lost a daughter, she was a member of the worship team at Bethel. I'm not certain if she still is. Uh, however, to be up on stage leading worship um, in services of prayer for this resurrection within days of losing her daughter... At that point in time, you're just scraping for hope and trying to make sense of what you're going through. Um, a few years ago, very different situation, but my wife and I lost a son. We knew that he had a disorder where it wasn't likely that he would live long after he was born, so he was alive for six hours, and we lost our son just that frame of time. The things that go through your mind as you're trying to process that kind of situation, you're just, you're just grasping for hope. and so You can see how someone from this type of movement would very much desire a resurrection, and who wouldn't? I mean, mm-hmm. man, what a wonderful thing that would have been! But I think here's where we start to come at, at odds is wrapping our minds around what is the will of God, what is His understanding versus our own, and is there a way that God can be honored even in the midst of tragedy and pain?
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question, and if you don't want to answer this, we'll edit this out. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 um, when you went through. What you went through, how did you pray for God to work? And what informed your, um, your thinking in terms of how to pray?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, as time developed and we learned that our son had this disorder, it's called trisome 18, we knew that his prognosis of being born wasn't great. And we knew that if he was to be born, that his quality of life, um, would be very challenging and his life probably wouldn't last long. And so certainly there were people who would come up to us in the church and they meant very well. And they would say, Hey, we're just praying for a miracle. I just know he's going to be fine. Hmm. And, uh, Hmm. when people would say that to me, I knew they really meant well. And it, it was coming from a heart of love for the Lord and a desire to see my wife and I spirit of pain. And, uh, There was a part of me though, when they would say, I just know he's going to be fine. I would want to ask, well, what do you know that I don't? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, God hadn't given me that level of clarity and things didn't work out that way. But for my wife and I, our prayer is that God would be very present with us. Our prayer is that he would give us the grace we needed each day to handle the situation. And we had a lot of hope in the midst of it because we knew that our child's life meant something to God and that there were things God wanted to do in and through his life for however long or short it would last. And we also had a hope that even if his life on this earth didn't last as long as we would have wished it would, that there was more to come. And so we had so much hope for him in eternity that we'll have a day when we'll be with our son and he'll be healthy and he'll be uh, able to be who, who God has made him to be as much as we wish we could have that time in the here and now. So that was kind of the way our prayers were directed. Okay.
0: Okay. That had to be such a hard, hard time in so many ways. I appreciate it. It definitely brings you in this conversation to a bit more of a personal um, perspective because you've actually lived uh, exactly, maybe not the exact scenario, but very similar scenario to what um, they did as a family.
1: Yeah. Three years. I just can't imagine, you know, the, the memories are some of the, I think would be such a difficult thing in coping with that kind of pain. And we have six hours of memories mm-hmm. and we would have loved to have taken our son home from the hospital, mm-hmm. but just to be totally candid, there was a part of it for my wife and I that was like, if he was going to pass away, mm-hmm. it's probably easier that he passed away after six hours than we brought him home and laid him down on the couch and you know carried him through our neighborhood and things like that. Uh, because this family, just imagine all the memories that they had to deal with. Um, and losing their daughter. What a difficult thing that would be. Uh, but, you know, if if I could have a conversation with them, I would just want to talk with them about how they experienced God's presence throughout that situation as it developed. And I wonder if maybe they experienced God's grace and his closeness in a way that was different from how they would have hoped, but in a way that really has meant a lot to them moving forward. And, uh, Kurt, you and I have had an opportunity to walk through similar situations with another young adult couple from our church Mm -hmm. who lost a child um, at birth in the recent future, Uh, sorry, in the recent past, uh, not long after this situation that we're discussing here today. And there was a quote that you shared at the memorial service that really stood out to me, and it was from a, a memorial service of a prominent member of the Christian community. Maybe you can even express it better than myself, where he talked about how God's answer wasn't what they would have hoped it would have been in the sense of a radical healing. But God had answered their prayer with a yes, in the sense that he brought that healing in an ultimate way through what he's accomplished in Jesus Christ. This world is not the end. There is a life that comes after death. And so there's a real sense of joy and hope that can be found even in the midst of tragedy because of the gospel.
0: Yeah. Well, that's without a doubt. One of the harder things I think anybody can walk through is losing a child. I, I, from, Everything I've heard that that is probably one of the more painful, difficult experiences in life, and I think you're right that our typical uh, tendency is to say, "What can I hold on to? What can what hope can I have?" And and even uh, you mentioned that sometimes this is word faith theology or charismatic. The if I just believe enough, then I'll have a different outcome. Is is often the the core difference probably in theology from what we would hold at orchard hill um in that we would say it isn't ultimately my faith that makes it hap- happen one way or another but it's god's hand that does so um let me I'll, I'll pull up this uh this exact um quote that you're referring to but dan what what would you see as being some of the um challenges to the view then that 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 if you pray enough, believe enough, declare enough that you can can get God to act in a certain way in a certain situation, because that's really what's behind this, so rather than maybe even talking very specifically about that, let's talk about the theology behind it, and then talk about maybe some alternates
2: yeah, and I, I was just as I was thinking about this, and uh, I haven't had a chance to like read a lot or anything on that, but um, you know in my thinking um I think there's probably four camps that uh, you have in Christianity as far as miracles. And one, I, and, and there's a gray scale between all of these. So it's not like you find yourself totally in one camp. You're, you might be more towards one or the other, but I'd say the first one would be that sort of word faith, new apostolic reformation, um, the what people would refer to sort of crassly as the name it and claim it people, um, the a word type of people that um, what they would say that is that um Jesus healed, Uh, the apostles healed, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, Jesus said you'll do greater works than these, and he also said to go out and heal the sick and, you know, heal the lepers and and all of that sort of stuff, raise the dead. So that should be the normative Christian experience. So as a Christian, we should commonly see what we would uh, refer to as the miraculous, the breaking of natural laws. Then I'd say there's a second camp, and that that camp would say God has all the power in the world. He heals. He miraculously heals. He is still active and alive in this world. Um, But miracles are truly miracles. They're things that, uh, that don't happen very often, that God does break through into this world and does some incredible things that would sort of break the laws of nature. Um, So not, you know, oh, my back was hurting and now my back feels better or I was praying for a job and I miraculously got it. But, you know, the blind being healed or the dead being raised, I I think uh, many Christians would say we totally believe in that, but we don't think it's the normative experience. We think that those are unusual. Then I'd say you have a school of people that would say um, that at the close of the canon of Scripture, somewhere around 70 AD when the temple was destroyed and stuff, that that was the end of that miraculous age and that miracles were really authentication of the people who were saying the message of the gospel. So the apostles and Jesus himself. And so once we had the canon of scripture, that was the completion of God's word. We no longer needed that authentication. And therefore they'd call themselves cessationists. They are no longer, they no longer believe in it. And then the last camp, which is a pretty small camp, it would be sort of the Thomas Jefferson of there were no miracles. There's no such thing as miracles. They never happened. They're really allegories or teaching uh, points. So, um, so, Bill Johnson, you know, just to quote him real quickly here um, to get his actual words, he said this uh, when somebody asked him, uh, "Do you think that uh, that God allows sickness?" Okay, so for a Christian, do you think He allows sickness? He said, "How can God choose not to heal someone when He's already purchased their healing? He already decided to heal. There are no deficiencies on His end. All the lack is on our end of the equation." Now. I don't know about you guys, but that is a deeply troubling statement to me. So that that has some issues. Uh, And one of the issues, and we can deal with a couple of the issues in this, I think, but one of the issues, of course, is that what that says is if there's a problem, if you get a cold, if you lose a child, if you lose a job, if you get cancer, if your finances go haywire, if you have depression, whatever those things are, anything that's a negative in life, ultimately, you are responsible for it it looks a little bit more like the wheels of karma than it does biblical Christianity. And it looks a lot more, um, I I think, um, like metaphysics than it does Christianity, where we're ultimately in control of all things by our own perspectives. And and I think that gets dangerous because it takes, it can take God off the throne from being sovereign and in some ways makes us little gods who can control God himself.
1: Mm. You know, there are some theological themes that you spelled out there that I think are very much on my mind when I hear some of the statements that he's made. And the first is about how it's always God's will to heal. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Second Corinthians, where he talks specifically about how God gave him an experience of pain and trials to show the sufficiency of his grace. He talks mm-hmm. about, I was given a thorn in my flesh to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on to talk about how God used that struggle in his life to root him in his understanding, his experience of God's grace. And so certainly when you see someone going through something so difficult, you would never want to wish that upon them. However, there is something to be said for the truth of scripture that God uses trials and challenges and moments of pain in our lives to, to grow us closer to him and show us where hope is ultimately found is challenging and man, as much as you could wish those experiences away would be. The other thing that is just plain wrong is when he talks about how there's no one in scripture that Jesus passed by who is in need of healing. Uh, when you look at different stories throughout the gospels, Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, he healed one man mm-hmm. and there were a multitude of sick people. Uh, Also in Matthew chapter 13, after many healings in Galilee, Jesus left Nazareth to go somewhere else to preach, even though they were desperately sick and hurting people who were looking to him. And his reasoning there was, let's go to somewhere else, the towns nearby that I may preach there also. That's what I came to do. Jesus' ministry wasn't just performing miracles, but proclaiming the kingdom of God and how anyone who would look to him in faith could have an ultimate hope that goes beyond this physical world. And so I think, uh, you know that greater theological context really is critical to understanding what's at stake in this conversation.
0: That's that's well put. Um so let me ask the question this way. How do you pray for healing if you aren't praying for healing with a
2: certainty that God will heal? Yeah, cuz you know you you look at uh that's the one thing, you know, so I I just to tip my hand a little bit. I came out of a background that uh, that would have believed in that. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt had a shocked <laughs> face there. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I will say this: um, I respected and admired, and still respect and admire, uh, the depth of faith that a lot of the people in that background carried. I, I look at what uh, you know, the Bethel School. Um, you know, I. I admire that. I wish I had deeper faith and that, that I didn't have some of the levels of skepticism that I do have. Uh, and I fully believe that God can heal uh, if and when he wants. Um, but, you know, sometimes I, I don't believe for that healing in the way that, uh, you know, people from this background do. I think probably I need to grow in my faith in some ways. Uh, but there, there are some issues on the other side. So t- tell me your question again. It was uh, How do you pray for healing, for God to work, yeah. while
0: not being certain that he will heal, as you have, um, you know, described it here.
2: Yeah, so, you know, like James tells us very specifically, if if somebody's sick, uh, to have the elders go and pray for them, anoint them with oil and pray for them. Um, I think that we should pray, and I think that we should have a level of faith, and especially in the faith, not that God is going to do it, but God is absolutely able to do it. He's still sovereign over the universe. He can do what he wants when he wants. Uh, so I would be in that second camp where I'd, I'd say, God does perform miracles. Um, God can perform miracles. Maybe he will be gracious and, and do a miracle for me. You know, I, I know if one of my kids died, I would pray for um, them to come back to life. You know, maybe three days later, I wouldn't. But definitely, you know, three minutes later or 30 minutes later, I definitely would be praying that, I would think, you know. Um, and I do ask that God grows my faith more deeply and to have, you know, a deeper abiding trust in him, you know. That's interesting, because I, I
0: don't think I would. Now, maybe I would in the moment, but um, I would pray for God to heal, and I would do it all the way until they passed away. Mm. Um, but at that point, I think I would say, okay, God, I'm, I'm trusting that you have a different hand in this in some way. And I, and I think what I'm, by, by asking the question, what I'm asking is, is what is it that you're seeking in your prayer? Because I think, you know, Josiah, you mentioned earlier when you went through what you went through, saying we're praying for God's presence, for us to have a strong faith in the midst of it. Um, you know, I forget the exact phrases you used, but, but your prayers actually weren't even centered on healing. And um, so, so, so what was in even your mind that said, hey, I'm not even going to make that my first prayer. I, yeah. I, I assume you prayed that at some point. God, if it be your will, would you heal? Or God, would you heal? But, but it sounds like that was almost secondary to the other things you prayed. Yeah,
1: I think you spelled it out pretty clearly. Our priority in prayer was for God to be glorified through our son's life. And I believed, and so did my wife very firmly, that that could happen in a variety of ways. If there was a miracle to take place where the condition that you know, we had told and had seen evidence of in tests was to be taken away, man, what a God-glorifying thing that would have been. But I'll tell you, a lot of people's lives take a really long time to make an impact, or maybe they never make the impact they desired. And we have friends who aren't Christians who told us, seeing the way that you guys have walked through this has made a difference in the way that we think about God. And I'm like, thank God, my son's life brought God glory in six hours. And uh, so our priority in prayer was that, you know, God would be glorified through his life. I would have loved if that would have taken place in a healing. But, uh, you know, I have a great degree of confidence in the sovereignty of God, uh, God's goodness and his will to order the events of our world according to his own wisdom, um, which goes beyond my own. And I don't always like it. Uh, but I, but I do trust it, and and I do experience, uh, you know, God's grace in the midst of it. As I kind of learn to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Well, let me read this uh, this little section of this eulogy from Jonathan Evans, which he gave for his mom, Lois Evans. Lois is the wife of Tony Evans, might be the name some of you know. Uh, Priscilla Schreier is their daughter, might be another name some of you know, and that's why this probably, um, you know, is known just because they're they're known Christians, if you want to put it that way. And uh, Jonathan talked about how people were praying all over the world for his mom to be healed and how they prayed and believed right up until the end that she would be healed and then she died. Um, and this is how he addressed this in the eulogy. And I think this this resonated with me and uh, and I think some others. He said this, he said, just because, and he's kind of speaking from God's perspective, even though um, you, know, you know he's saying it, but he said, just because I didn't answer your prayer your way doesn't mean I didn't answer your prayer anyway. He said, either she was going to be healed or she was going to be healed. Either she was going to live or she was going to live. And he went on and, and basically added some other phrases, but his point was basically to say that God does heal, but it may not be the way we want. There's an ultimate healing. God does allow us, you know, people to live ultimately, even if it isn't here and now, and that that was was what he came as a resting point to his faith. And I think one of the reasons that resonated with me is, is it takes some of the discontinuity of the, oh, there's you know Bill Johnson and these people who believe this, and then there's me on the other side. No, we all believe that God heals. We all believe that God gives life. Hmm. It's just a matter of being able to say, I believe that he may or may not answer my prayer in the way that I want in this life, but he's still answering prayer, but there's a, there's a more ultimate answer, and, and I think that's one of the ways that I can pray with faith to say, God, I would love to see you heal um, this person right now. I have a friend right now who has some stuff going on medically and has a bunch of unknown things, going through a bunch of tests. And, and as I pray with my friend about it, I'm, I'm praying and saying, God, would you do this supernatural? Would you heal? Would you work through medicine? But at the same time, there's, a, there's an acknowledgement to saying, God, you may have something greater you're doing here. And, and that doesn't sound as hopeful as saying, I'm going to declare and I'm going to, but I think it's actually more freeing. And here's why, and I'll, I'll tell this through a story I remember when I was pastoring a church in Michigan, there was a man who started coming to the church I was pastoring and and I started to talk to him. I realized that his wife had just died. I mean, he shared that. And then he shared that he had been part of a church very similar to Bethel, just down the road from where we were, and that the reason he couldn't go back to his church after his wife died is because the whole church was proclaiming and praying that his wife wouldn't die and that she would be healed. And he said, in the church community that I had been part of, he said, what that means is I didn't have enough faith uh, to believe that my wife—and and he told it to me through his tears, basically saying, now I've not just lost my wife, but now, according to the faith community I've been a part of, my faith is a failure because I haven't believed enough. And he said these words, and they, they struck me and kind of stuck with me. He basically said, and I'm sure I'm paraphrasing, but he said, I have twice the pain now. Because I have the pain of losing my wife, and now the pain of the faith community I've been a part of telling me I didn't have enough faith. And he said, I did believe. I believed with everything I had that my wife would be saved uh, from this, and she wasn't. And he said, so now I'm trying to rebuild my faith with the belief that God is still good. And, uh, and so he felt the need to, to seek a different faith community altogether on the heels of it because he couldn't go back. And face the people who said, "Well, the reason she wasn't healed is somebody here didn't have enough faith, and it must have been you." And and now he maybe that's oversimplified. That certainly isn't the experience of everyone who 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 prays for it. But it struck me um, that phrase. It became double the pain because now I'm somehow responsible uh, for what God does or doesn't do in the midst of that. And so. Um, What other theological observations or concerns would you have about kind of that that position?
2: Well, you know, I mean, one thing that you can certainly say, you know, the the apostles healed, Jesus healed. Uh, I believe that God still heals today in miraculous ways. But um, to think that, you know, if, if you use the theology of by his stripes were healed and therefore we should experience no Pain or no suffering in life, you're you're really excluding the entirety of the Bible. And you know, I mean, it's it says very clearly that we will have suffering, that we will have trials. It's it says to count them as as joy, to count them as friends. I think in uh, Romans five and beginning of James uh, and other areas. And you know, here's one of the things: if if your theology is this, uh, and again, I'm I'm not trying to point fingers or anything, but I think this this stuff is really important if your theology is that because of the fall um, and that sin initially from Adam and Eve, sickness and death was in, was became a part of life, and Jesus came to undo that. So he, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to undo that curse and bring us into life, and therefore, we should have full healing. Well, the, the question begs, I think, an obvious question. Well, you know, it wasn't just sickness that he was he was dealing with; it was death also. So, would you go so far then as to say that no Christian who's a believing Christian should die? And they would say, "Well, of course, a Christian doesn't die. You know, we we live forever." But that, that's in a spiritual sense. But I mean, in a bodily sense, because your physical healing is a bodily healing that they're talking about. That resurrection is a bodily resurrection. So, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be logical then? The Christian should live forever because that curse of sin and death is broken. Uh, and there's a lot of other questions that it has, but I, I, think, uh, I think those are some important uh, questions that you'd have with that sort of like theological mindset. Okay,
1: Josiah? Yeah, I think I touched on the main pieces of theology that I felt like were important to bring to the table, but certainly what you shared, Kurt, about the relational aspect of being in community— when these kind of viewpoints are held, there can be some serious fallout. And I think spiritual leaders need to take seriously the role of authority that um, we're in in the sense of the things that we say, people are gonna take them to heart. And when we speak as ambassadors for God and his word, we need to do so with a great degree of care and concern that we're representing God accurately. Because uh, while God is certainly able to heal, and that would be something that's glorifying to him, not one of us has the full knowledge of God's wisdom um, in our own understanding. And sometimes painful things are how God chooses to act in the world in a way that would draw our attention to where ultimate hope can be found. And so I think that it's just an important call for anyone who's in ministry to, to just take scripture seriously and do uh, the hard work of mining out what God's word really says, rather than making his word fit our priorities. Yeah,
2: well put. That, that's an important point, too, just uh, you know, as a last thought. You know, pain and suffering, they, they do bring good in our lives in so many ways, and you know, we know that in our own life. Uh, we see that sometimes the most difficult times are the times where we have the deepest growth in Christ, and you hear stories over and over of people who have gone through that. I, I recently watched a, a documentary on these guys who were pilots in Vietnam, they, uh, they got shot down and they were tortured by the the VC at the Hanoi Hilton. So one of the guys was there for nine years, you know, and this was horrific stuff. You know, their fingernails were being pulled out and they're, you know, starving to death and eating bugs and being tortured day in, day out. And uh, there was a bunch of Christians there who started sharing their faith. And it was interesting. All of these guys have had fairly successful lives uh, in this particular documentary. There was about 15 of them, but every single one at the end of the documentary said, I grew so much in my faith and my love for Christ, and they all said this, every single one of them, it was shocking to me, they said, if God said, I can put you back in time before that happened and not let you get shot down, but you wouldn't know me the way that you knew me through that experience, what would you choose? Every single one of the guys said, I would go through all of those tortures again so that I could know my Lord the way that I know him now. And I think that's an important thing. God in our suffering, He's He's not careless about our suffering. He hates it. I think in some ways, uh, you know, it is a, a product of the fall. Uh, but He desires to grow closer to us in all things, and that's just one of those things in life that we can really grow closer to Him in that pain and suffering. So if you're out there yeah. and you're going through a difficult season like what these these folks have, my heart goes out to you. But so does God's. He cares about you. He cares about this, and He'll walk with you through it. And I think that's important to know too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, all said. it's a a podcast like this is a great time to point that out. I just say to somebody who's with walking with some people who've had loss, that's probably not the time to tell them how much it'll help them to go through pain and suffering. It's a good time to be present. It's a good time to love on them and just say, I care, I'm here. Um, But that doesn't invalidate the point. The point is real, but sometimes you need a little distance from it to, to be able to say, okay, this is somehow going to, to, to come. But Uh, One of the things I think, um, I said this in another podcast recently um, about idolatry, that one of the ways I try to deal with idolatry in my own life is when I know I'm loving an outcome or too anxious about an outcome, I'll say, God, I want to give you this. And I know you care more about this than I do. Mm. And what that does is it helps me to right size my anxiety because I'll be anxious about something, which is a tell of idolatry. Like, how is this going to work out? This is, and, and to say, God, look, I know you care more about this outcome than I do. It's Hmm. more because what it does is it helps me to take my, my, my perception and say, God, you're still in charge. You're working here. And you actually care more about this than I do. Hmm. And, and I think even in a situation like this, to be able to say, God, you care more about this outcome. You care more about this health. You care more about this person than even I do. But that means I can take my hands off the outcome because I can say, okay, God, if you do, then I can trust you even if the outcome isn't to my liking. Mm. And that is so hard to do. Mm. But if you can do it, allows you to say, okay, God, I can ask you to do the miraculous. I can trust you um, that you're going to do what's best, even if it's not what I would choose. Um, and and I think that's that's genuine faith. Mm. Um, that's deeper than god i command you i demand that you do this Mm -hmm. um and and is harder to live with but is freer because on the other side you're able to say i actually do trust that you are working even in what i wouldn't have chosen Mm -hmm. in a way that's that's good and uh, much harder to do but but ultimately healthier. So
2: any last comments either of you want to make? Well, just, just one last thing. You know, I mean, ultimately, all things are put right you know, in Revelation. There is no death, no sorrow, no crying, no pain. Uh, Christ wins in the end, and we can have our confidence and trust in that.
1: Yeah. yeah, I would just say, man, this topic, it's a tough one, but I've certainly learned the value of Christian community through walking through such a difficult thing. And uh, what a beautiful way to experience, you know, God's provision through leading others. To, to lift you up and support you when you find yourself deeply in need. And so for anyone who's going through a time of pain or loss, I would just encourage you to really root yourself in a place uh, where you can hear God's word spoken, where you can be encouraged by that, but also where you can just walk alongside other people um, and, and you can be a support to them when they need it and they can do the same for you because we can't do this life of faith by our own. So I'm grateful for the church and just uh, our opportunity to live life together
0: good well thank you both and thank you for listening today and if you have uh, topics you'd like to hear us address please feel free to send those along to the church uh, orchardhillchurch.com and uh, certainly we appreciate you listening to Perspectives if you've enjoyed this content would you uh, please if you get a chance just go on and give us a review on whatever format you're listening on that helps other people find their content um, give us some thumbs up uh, stars whatever the, the moniker is on your particular deliverable. And, uh, and if you'd be so kind, even leave a little review that just says, Hey, this is helpful content and the reason why you find it helpful. Thank you. And, uh, we hope you have a wonderful day.